0: two one here we go welcome back to big friendly sports with john ham here in oklahoma city in the midst of an exciting season of nba basketball an exciting season of change down in norman just uh, just a lot's going on right now and in stillwater where players are returning to osu and alan bowman's coming back for a 47th season it is good times all around but obviously we're focused on the nba and the oklahoma city thunder are super good right now, and we're going to talk about them a little bit, but we're going to focus on the larger picture, the Western Conference. Uh, Before we get into that, I want to thank sponsors for our show, as always. That list includes MidFirst Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Jobs, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full line of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. So with that, let's get going here. We have our man Michael Martin with Sellout Crowd back on the show. Uh, Michael, are, are we having any enjoyment at all of this Thunder season so far?
1: How could you not? Everything's uh, roses candy over here. Things are going great. Um, it's a real shame the Hawks game just didn't happen, but everything else is going great.
0: That that was um, that was a perfect storm or imperfect storm, however you want to look at it. Um, a, a number of things were just uh, were just uphill for OKC in that one, unfortunately. Um, and you know that's with any team, we can go through, look at their schedule, and find a loss that we that we're just puzzled by. And so, you know, just do the same thing, going down OKC's list, be puzzled by it, understand that it was the second night of a back-to-back on the road uh, when they didn't leave Oklahoma City in a timely fashion. And they arrived in Atlanta extremely early in the morning, uh, and just a lot went against them in that one.
1: Yeah, I know that it's not exactly cool to always have sympathy for like the the millionaires and this idea, but just going to work after sitting on a plane that's been delayed for like four hours and then going the next day and then going to your office or whatever you're doing, I can't imagine that would be fun, let alone going and playing professional basketball for 40-plus minutes. So I think Sam Presti once said it, um, he mentioned it to us about that um, the world or the sky falls on every NBA team like four or five times a season. (laughs) It's just one of those times, and let's just hope they bounce back pretty quickly, which I think they will.
0: I think so. And, uh, you know, again, they are positioned up near the top of the Western Conference, and, you know, a lot has been said. And, And they're catching attention from not only us here at Sellout crowd and starting to ask, like, do they need to make a trade? Are they fine as they are? Is this team a contender? And now, like, the national folks are picking up on that. And I think that requires some context. That requires looking at the teams around them. And so what I thought we might do here, Michael, is just sort of you know, look at these other teams, where they are, you know, how legitimate are they? Could even look into, OK, like if they got into a playoff series, what that you know matchup might look like, um, not necessarily to like try to put like, you know, cold water on the Thunder and what they've accomplished, but to also sort of understand like where some of these other teams are at and how it could be a little bit different come playoff time.
1: Yeah, sort of like a um, mid-semester report card. Just see, see where you're at here, where you stand up against these other teams. A lot can change. We obviously, I don't know if you know this, John, the Thunder have a lot of assets they could trade potentially. <laughs> so things could change. But uh, yeah, just to get a little preview of that, I think is a, a good idea.
0: Yeah. So to kick us off, uh, let's start at the top of the conference for now. Uh, let's talk about Minnesota. It's a team that you know, Thunder fans are, should be familiar with at this point. And uh, it's, it's another team that has sort of bounced from towards the bottom of the standings up towards the top at the moment. Um, so you're just sort of looking at Minnesota, what are your thoughts on them up to this point, what they might have in store, and again, what we might expect from them in the playoffs?
1: Minnesota is really interesting because they're the antithesis of the Thunder in a lot of ways of they want to play big. They have to with this roster where you have Three of your most highly paid guys are Rudy Gobert, karl Anthony Towns, and Nas Reed. Like, it's not an option to really play small for them. Then, matching with chat is really interesting. I did find a stat of, you know, Shea this season's averaging 33 points against them, 66% shooting from the field, which was very interesting to me because he's 0% from three. So, mm. he's getting a lot of these drives and a lot of these mid range shots off. But if you sort of just like we saw against the Celtics the other night, if you sort of built a team in a lab just physically to sort of guard Shea, what you would imagine is somebody like the Wolves, where you have Anthony Edwards, who's big, athletic, strong. Jade McDaniels, one of the best defenders in the league. You have uh, Rudy Gobert, who's the best rim protector in the league. Carl Anthony Towns, who's not a great defender, but at least still has size. Like, they have a lot of options, and you have the Alexand- heel Alexander-Walker as well. I think that's one of the more, like, I don't know, I don't know that it's the hardest matchup for them, but it's the most interesting for me at, at this point in the season. How about, how do you feel?
0: Yeah, you know, you talked about. Uh, you know, Jade McDaniel's is you know he he is. This is an obscure reference. There was a Marvel Comics character called Cloak. There was Cloak and Dagger. Cloak was a giant. Cloak, basically. And that's what I feel like every time I see McDaniels, it's almost like, I don't know, a Velociraptor or something coming at you. Uh, he should play for the Raptors, probably. His brother does. It's but yeah. um, you know, he's uh he's an excellent defender and he's a he's a huge guy to throw on Shea. Obviously, his cousin is a guy that can rotate in as well. And so, you know, as far as the rest of the season, I, I feel pretty good about Minnesota. Um I think you know at this point you have to call them legitimate. I don't think they're going to like fall off a cliff the rest of the way and they clearly have some chemistry that's working and you know a lot of this we can go back and look at the trade for Mike Conley and say okay that, that let them grow up a little bit. There's an adult in the room now. Um but in the playoffs my concern and it's not even just thunder specific is what happens with Gobert. We saw it with Utah where teams were able to scheme against him and just reduce his effectiveness, make him move. That's what the Thunder did uh, when they played him last is they you know, really made him move his feet and he was uncomfortable doing that. Uh, teams are going to try to draw him away from the rim. Um, that is the problem that Chris Finch has got to come up with a solution for. I'm not saying that he can't, but that is one of the main things that looking at that team concerns me the most, I think.
1: Yeah, you have two guys who, I mean, Gobert in a different way, getting played off the floor on defense and Carl Anthony Towns, where it's like two negatives make a positive, where it's like we have two guys and they can't get played off. So it's going to be interesting. And then like you mentioned with Gobert, I do think it's a little bit different from his time in Utah because they have much better perimeter defenders around him with Edwards and McDaniels, like we mentioned. But I'm with you. I think it's super interesting to see how Chris Finch operates. And I think the biggest thing with them against the Thunder is just the um, the well-known rebounding issues. And I would just see the Wolves just like doubling, tripling down on we're going to out-rebound, out-physical this team. And I think that could be something that could hurt the Thunder potentially in a playoff matchup against them. And going zone. And, you know, before
0: before the last matchup between the two teams... I know the Thunder was prepared. Like they had some tricks up their sleeve. They knew that was going to be a thing, and they were able to neutralize the zone, which has been a problem for OKC for, I mean, many years now. But in this iteration of the team, it has been problematic over the past couple of years. That's another thing. I think Minnesota would just resort to zone. Once again, a lot of teams we're going to talk about are going to try to just make Josh Giddy make the shot, leave him open, dare him to shoot it try to close off the other avenues and, I, and I'll say Minnesota is designed I think to help make that happen but this is where the value of a Jalen Williams comes in and that is something that Shea has that Anthony Edwards does not is that other guy that okay if you're going to close me off I'm going to go I want to go set screens I'm going to do some other things to free up the other guy
1: now you try to stop him too. Yeah, they don't have a lot of other offensive outlets in terms of creators, because Mike Conley is more of a table setter. He's not, at this point in his career, a guy who's going to just create a bunch of actions and open shots for himself or others. Jade McDaniels is more of just like that 3 and D guy who drives and kicks. Anthony Towns is sort of like center Michael Porter Jr. at this point, and Rudy Gobert, we know, is just there to catch lobs. So if you can just make Anthony Edwards a passer and just make the other guys beat you, I think that you're going to have a pretty good chance against that team. So I'm with you. I think that Shea definitely has more outlets, whether it's Chet or J-Dub, who can handle the ball and kind of create for themselves, too. Yeah. So still really like the Wolves. Have some questions
0: about them come playoff time. Uh, Not as many questions with the next team we'll talk about, and that is the world champion Denver Nuggets, um, who, I mean... They're, you know, they're doing really well. They're they're near the top of the Western Conference, but like almost no one is talking about them. I don't know if people are just sort of tired of giving Jokic all the flowers over the past few years. I don't know. They just sort of kind of like flew under the radar maybe a lot of this has to do with all the hype being thrown to particularly Oklahoma City but you know also Minnesota and just some other like dramas around the league it's almost like Denver's just sort of like you know picking up the lunch pail and going in and doing the work and coming home and no one's really noticing
1: I think they're perfectly happy and content flying under the radar being in cruise control and just like we'll see in the playoffs we don't really (laughs) care we'll we'll play and we'll win a bunch of games but I think that there is a big element, like you talked about, of the shiny new toy of the Wolves and the Thunder and other teams where it's just it's just more fun as basketball fans to talk about the new teams, because we, we know the Nuggets. We've seen them for a very long time, but to me, they are still the standard in the West and a team that you're going to have to go through uh, with Jokic being one of, if not the best players in the world, so it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams continue to play each other. Right now, the Thunder are 2-1 and one against them, so I think they have one more in Oklahoma City, so we'll see if they can tie it up. But the the road teams won every single one so far.
0: Yeah. Now, the thing, of course, with Denver is there's playoff Jamal Murray. That's a whole different animal completely. And so no matter what happens in the regular season, we just know when you get to, you know, time to win 16 games and go get a ring, uh, Jamal Murray is just going to kick it up another notch. And so that's, you know, that's something you have to consider with this Nuggets team. Yes, these regular season wins over them. Uh, they are great checkpoints for this Thunder team. Uh, it's great achievements. You know, it, it's great to see, hey, we can compete against these guys. And it could very well be that Shea has another notch that we're not familiar with yet. But I'm just saying, like, Jamal Murray and Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., when he's hot, he's able to, you know, he, he's able to to tilt the game in a hurry. The the mild concern is some of the quality depth that Denver lost in the offseason. They're relying a lot on you know Christian Brown a lot more, on Peyton Watson. And if those guys falter, they don't have a whole lot of great options to look at instead, having lost Jeff Green and and Bruce Brown. But having said all that, no matter where Denver is at in the Western Conference at this moment or at the end of the season, um, they are still going to be terrifying come playoff time.
1: Yeah, they're a different animal in the playoffs, like you mentioned with Jamal Murray in the playoffs. And then Jokic, where we saw him in the finals, where it's just like, okay, I'll go score 35 points a game. I'll just post up every time. Things that guys just don't want to do regular, in the regular season because of the wear and tear it puts on you. But the playoffs are a different animal where it's all high stakes. You get to win or go home, and guys will step up and do some things differently. And I like what you said about their depth, that they did lose those pieces in Jeff Green and Bruce Brown. But even like right now, we saw without Aaron Gordon, how much they have struggled to guard Shea. And a guy like that, if he's injured or in foul trouble, they don't really have another option because KCP is a guy who's going to get bullied by Shea. And as much as the, the reality is that Jokic is going to torture whoever the Thunder have on him, I think Shea is going to give that guy an even harder time on Denver. And then the stat I have for Jokic is he's averaging 24, 10, and 8 on 71, 60, 91 shooting splits. He's, he's five of six from three, so small sample size on that, but he's just, it's like Space Jam or like 2K with all the sliders turned to easy for him so far.
0: <laughs> and again, like the, the goal for OKC is not, can we neutralize Jokic? It's, you know, can you neutralize Shea? Could you neutralize back in the day, Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook? Um, you can make things uncomfortable for them, but that's, it's not about neutralizing uh, Jokic. Um, you know, again, it's sort of, you know, uh, zigging while other teams are zagging. And I think that that's largely why OKC is designed the way they are, uh, from the size of the players to the, you know, the, the rotations they use to the type of players they identify, you know, they're trying to find other advantages out there because, you know, Jokic is going to do his thing. Great players are always going to do that. Um, you just have to come up with a way to play to hopefully offset that to some degree
1: yeah you can't stop these guys the old cliche you can only hope to contain them like i'm sure if there was a game plan to stop like we we know it, watching the nba for a long time you know it more than me all the guys who came in as this is the kobe stopper and then every <laughs> single guy failed every single yes. one where it's like oh this is the guy it was tabo cephalosha and then it was uh run our test and it was shane battier and every guy gets 30 put uh, put on them so yes it's just ridiculous to think that there's a guy like out uh, that out there but if you can make life difficult on them, like a Jokic and make him run and do some of the things that the Thunder make him do just with their speed and athleticism, guarding shutout out on the break. I think that's your, your best chance to be the team like Denver.
0: Next did the West. Let's talk about the Clippers. So you know, here's a team, all credit to them. Um, they make the big trade for James Harden and the early returns are not good. And I knew there was going to be a bit of an adjustment period, um, the big adjustment being that, you know, they figured out they can't play Russell Westbrook and James Harden together, but it's working so far. And, you know, again, this is a team that theoretically on paper, man, th- this team should be incredible with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, uh, Russ off the bench at this point in his career. Uh, they've got, you know, quality you know, rotation. They've got quality uh, role players all around. Um, And so with them, you know, I I still say really good regular season team, Michael. I'm always going to have questions about this team come the playoffs. And so, just what what are you seeing from the Clippers now? Sort of what do you expect, and and what do you see beyond this regular season for them?
1: I'm with you. I I have no trust in this team in terms of the playoffs and knowing who's going to be healthy and available. Um, I would say right now, as is, I like this um, matchup for the Thunder. I think that Chet ultimately unlocks everything in this matchup because he can still protect the rim. Zubach is not a guy who you really fear going into the post over and over. And they have no small ball five option at all. So I think the Thunder are going to be pretty free to do whatever they want to do if they want to play Kenrich Williams as well and go super, super small. And then as far as the Clippers defensively, Kawhi and Paul George are not the same defenders they were in previous years in the last five years. These are not the same guys who are playing in conference finals and finals. Terrence Mann isn't guarding uh, Shea so I think that the Thunder have the best player in the matchup which goes a long way for something like this and the Clippers overall I just it feels like things are going too well right now some there's another shoe to drop like the history of James Harden says something will go wrong so I don't know about you but I'm just I'm very very skeptical on, about the Clippers in a lot of areas
0: yeah and I mean my skepticism is on James Harden again there's nothing wrong with being a Hall of Fame, you know, regular season player. We've just seen him come undone in the playoffs multiple times in multiple situations for multiple teams. Um, you know, one year in Brooklyn, there was a hamstring injury. That's a little bit out of his control, obviously. But um, you know, unless the Clippers like get off to like a two-zero lead in every series and never wind up in like a- any type of a you know crunch situation. Uh, I'm going to have questions. And so, um, that is going to, I don't know that, you know, Kawhi and Paul George are going to be enough to overcome that. And we also have to talk about, I mean, with Russ, there's a history there too, of just, of of it, of it being something, uh, some vendetta with another player, um, or just deciding to, to try to take on, you know, one versus five. Um, we've seen Russ kind of come undone as well. So you're leaning a lot on a couple of guys that don't have a stellar history of playoff success between the two. And and I'll uh, caveat that saying post Kevin Durant is a teammate.
1: Yeah. And they're not at their best anymore. So I think it's a yeah. lot to ask them for them to come in and outplay this young team who has all this fire and all this hunger and is very optimistic about things. And I'm with you. I think that they are one kind of big punch away from kind of staggering in a lot of these series I don't think they're a team that's going to come back from being down 2-0 or a team that's going to come back from a 30-point game. I feel like they, they're kind of front runners in a way. So I, I don't have a lot of belief in the Clippers. That's not a team that I would have all too much fear in if I was the Thunder unless Kawhi gets some robot upgrade that we don't know about where he just goes insane. Because as much as we joke about it, before he got hurt last year against the Suns, he was unbelievable. He was going toe-to-toe yes. with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So there, there is that chance, but I would say that I wouldn't count on it.
0: Yeah. And again, all credit to them. They have been largely healthy so far this season. They are playing in games. They're taking the regular season seriously by all accounts. Um, but you know, again, the playoffs are a different animal. Uh, on to the next team, just up the shore there in California, Sacramento. So here's a team that Uh, you know, lost to Golden State in the first round last year, despite, you know, having the higher seed. You sort of understood that was a younger team taking on the veterans that have been there before. And, um, you know, Sacramento, gosh, De'Aaron Fox has just taken it up another notch. Uh, Keegan Murray is just like the most awesome, you know, call and response chant going on right now. And he's playing extremely well. Um, Sacramento is unproven. But, you know, part of me wonders, like, historically, teams in the playoffs, they get to the playoffs, they make it to a point, they get defeated, uh, they lick their wounds, they come back better prepared the next year. I wonder if Sacramento isn't a team that might be equipped to do something like that. What do you think?
1: I think so, especially against a team like the Thunder, where we all saw them fall apart last year a lot due to Kavon Looney and his rebounding. The Thunder don't have anybody who's going to rebound like that. Like That's been one of their biggest issues, as we talked about. And then Sabonis plays Chet extremely well. A lot of the physicality going at him. And then Lou Dort, one of the premier defenders in the league, but he's more suited to play a guy like Luka or a guy like James Harden, who's a lot more physical, kind of ground and pound. Whereas Fox just takes off on him. And that's mm-hmm. just not a matchup I love. I still think that Lou's the best option to guard him on the Thunder and one of the best in the league, but it's not something that he's tailored to. And this one, we know what the Thunder have been doing the last few years that they've been rebuilding, but they've lost their last seven games in Sacramento, and I don't think that's going to change going into the playoffs with maybe the best home court advantage in the NBA.
0: Yeah. It's, it's the whole, um, unable to figure out Sacramento for some reason like that, that's a big area of concern. So, um, I, I'm curious to see, OKC okay, now that they've sort of caught some momentum, uh, to play Sacramento again and sort of see what they look like. Um, but this is one of those, you know, in, in the playoffs, it's about matchups. It's not always, you know, well, the number one seed always going to beat the number eight, even though historically that's going to happen. Um, but you wind up into a matchup that favors one team, the seeds don't matter. And the home court advantage doesn't matter. And, you know, with these other teams, I think we've highlighted a a couple of legitimate concerns. Um, Sacramento has got some things that the Thunder can't quite figure out. Not yet,
1: anyway. Well, the, the Kings, they want to play fast, and they want to play faster than even the Thunder, and whenever you play at their pace, they're going to win that out. If you want to play in a shootout with Sacramento, you want to score 130 points a game. Like This is not the Warriors team from last year, the, the Thunder anyways, where you have Stephen Curry, who's been in a bunch of these big games, and the Warriors who have all types of like wounds and scars from these types of battles. I think that that's something that the Thunder need to be careful of of getting into a sprint with some of these teams or get into a dogfight with Minnesota playing into their hands in terms of the type of game that they, you know, specialize in.
0: Yeah. And I mean, again, circumstances matter, but we saw with Atlanta recently where, you know, sort of play at their tempo and don't slow them down an awful lot. And now you're trying to, you know, outscore them. And sometimes that's going to work. This Thunder team can definitely score points, but it's not sustainable and uh, got to find some ways to slow the other guys down. Sacramento is, uh, is is kind of a handful, and the Dallas Mavericks it's a different kind of handful because of Luka Doncic, and you know they are another team that they have hit on Derek Lively the uh, second. His even though he's a rookie, he's slid in very well as uh, as a counterpart there on the front line. Uh, Kyrie Irving has been out of the out of the lineup; he's back in. Um, you know the Mavs are playing fine with him uh, as part of the team, and. They've got a few other shooters out there. It it just, it just seems like Dallas is always just missing something else. And I can't quite put my finger on what that is. Maybe it's just not enough depth on the bench, but um, still, I mean, that team, if the Thunder or any team they go up against, you know, with Luka is going to be, it's going to be a a fight. It's going to be a challenge just uh, because Luka's that great. But uh, what is your forecast on them?
1: Well, I talked about earlier about having the best player in a series. Luka and Jokic are two of maybe the only guys in the West who can go toe-to-toe with Shea, I feel like, for seven games and play as well as him or out-duel him. The Mavericks are interesting. I'm with you. where It does feel like they're just missing something. I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe some more wing defenders. But they feel very similar to me to some of those um, Houston James Harden teams where it's one guy controlling the ball a lot. It's a lot of threes. It's a lot of um, just like trying to hold on defensively so i'm I'm very interested to see how dallas adjusts once to get Kyrie back as well but maybe it's just you can tell me if i'm wrong maybe it's rose tinted glasses coming off this game where the thunder almost blew a 30 point lead but they still won but dallas isn't the team that necessarily scares me all that much unless luca just happens to go nuclear
0: yeah and he's definitely capable of doing that um I mean, look, two key rotation players right now for them are Derek Jones Jr. and Dante Exum. They're squeezing a lot of good production out of those guys, but you know that's the kind of production you would ideally get from like your eighth, ninth, tenth guys, not you know guys that are in your starting lineup right now. Um, so you know, I, again, with Luka, they're, they're always gonna they're they're gonna punch above their weight, no matter who's on the floor, and. You know, Kyrie is is a wild card. You know, he's just there's been a number of things in the past. You just never know when, you know, who knows. We we can't figure out what it is. There's just always the possibility of something coming up that just causes a disturbance within the team, and so it's an unstable element. Um, he's he's played well this season, but you know, having said that, they lean too much, I think, on just unproven and veteran minimum guys. And uh, the, the the depth is an issue, and you know once OKC figures out you know how to how to go against a couple of their defenses, I don't know how many other counter moves the the Mavs could come up with realistically.
1: Yeah, they don't have a lot of pivots they can make. I mean, they're they're relying on Dante Exum, who has been playing a lot better, but he's not somebody who I would think is a major piece on a championship team if that's their aspirations. But I, I think this is one of the more interesting ones was Shea and Luca. And then going back to something I mentioned earlier, you have Lou Dort who matches up with Luca about as well as anybody. So I think that yeah. would be an interesting series, but I would favor the thunder in it. Three
0: teams that did not get mentioned for various reasons down towards the bottom of the standings in the West right now, or at least on the fringe of the play uh, in, uh, and the lottery right there teeter tottering. You've got the, you've got the Phoenix suns. You've got the LA Lakers. You've got the golden state warriors. Um, all three of them have legitimate reasons to, if you met them in a playoff matchup to be concerned, be very concerned because of what they bring, whether it's a lot of experience or just, you know, just being legends. Um, but yet they're kind of floundering right now. So, you know, Michael, when you look at those three teams at the bottom, do any of those give you any concern if they were to meet up with the Thunder in a, in a matchup in the playoffs?
1: Of those three, I would go with the Lakers. Um, I mean, just, off the top, you there's not many combinations of guys when they're playing at their best better than LeBron James and Anthony Davis. We saw it a few nights ago or a few weeks ago whenever LeBron came in and looked like a superhero against the Thunder and just completely took over the game. And then their added size that they can go to with Christian Wood of going three bigs with LeBron is just a team that I don't necessarily would want. I don't think I'd necessarily want to match up with it if I'm the Thunder. And then, like you mentioned earlier, home court, seeding doesn't matter at some points with a lot of these matchups. And if LeBron comes into your building, whether he's the one seed, two, all the way down to 10, he's going to feel like he's the favorite and he should be winning this series. And that level of experience that he has versus some of the uh, young immaturity of the Thunder who haven't been in a lot of these games is something I would definitely be worried about matching up with. That doesn't mean that I would predict the Lakers to beat the Thunder, but it would definitely give me some cause for concern.
0: Yeah. The Lakers, that's valid. Um, and again, for LeBron and Anthony Davis reasons, you should be very concerned if you meet up with them in the playoffs, uh, Golden State, obviously they have a well-earned reputation, but you know, Camelot crumbles sometimes and, you know, Golden State may be experiencing some of that. Phoenix is another team that's, you know, on paper, hypothetically, or in 2k, I'm sure they're really good. Um, but health has been a concern, and quality depth again. So many veteran minimum guys that are making up uh, the bulk of that roster that they're having to lean on. Um, eventually, you tend to you tend to run out um, of just what you can get out, out of those guys from from a production standpoint. So, uh, and also, I think Phoenix has had one of the easier schedules so far. And granted, they've had injuries. I understand that, but still. You know, they haven't really been able to capitalize on that yet. So uh, a lot of room to grow potentially. But, you know, having said all that, I mean, it, it's, I, it's understandable right now, if you're a Thunder fan, why you're a little bit more excited about the possibilities. And again, the Thunder may need to take their playoff lumps and come back another year and try again. But when you look at the other teams in the West, I think that they stack up fairly well uh, against a whole lot of them.
1: Yeah, I, I think that they're going to have their matchups, and I don't see a team that just counters them completely. But it's going to be really interesting to see how they go through the West. I do have one stat for you that I thought was interesting. Among the other teams in the top five uh, in the West, so you have your, um, your Wolves, your Kings, your Clippers, your Nuggets, uh, and those teams like that, Shea is only shooting 13% from three on uh 3.4 attempts in nine games so i think that's something to watch out for as we've seen how important his three-point shooting is yeah
0: absolutely so fun times enjoy the thunder season folks uh worry less about who to trade for i know we did a whole show on trades and stuff because they're kind of fun but you know it's okay to also like really enjoy what's out there right now and not get too worked up about what they could do what they need to do what worries you all of that stuff um just enjoy this team. They're really fun. So uh, with that, thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. If this is your first time finding the show, watching it, listening to it, uh, hit subscribe, hit the like button. All of those feedbacks uh, go a long way. Help me out. And, uh, you know, again, it's uh, much appreciated. So, uh, I want to give a big thanks to Jacqueline, the producer on our show, as along with along with uh, Michael Lane, who's our creative director, and all the folks at Sellout Crowd who helped make this possible. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Two, one. Here we go.